State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this second season episode, we speak with Vivek Kandawal, CEO and the founder of iZudo, about the state of push notifications. iZudo currently powers over 2,500 plus websites, helping publishers to engage and monetize their website visitors using web push notifications. Let's begin. Hi, Vivek, how are you? I'm good, Ryan, thanks. How are you? I'm not about thanks. Thanks for joining us. Yes. Excited about uh, this podcast. Yeah, and we're excited to have you because you cover push notifications and, and that's been a pretty interesting space that's been growing since mid-2018. So if I can just pass it over to you, Vivek, just if you can give a back, background about yourself, because I know you've been working in quite a few number of ad tech companies and startups and, and also and more about iZudo. If you can give us a background, that'd be awesome. Sure. So uh, I'm Vivek Nilwal. I'm the uh, I'm the CEO and founder at Izuto. We've been uh, running Izuto for now close to about three years. Uh, prior to Izuto, I ran an ad tech company based out of India for about seven years, uh, uh, which is the last startup. Uh, yeah, uh, we essentially uh, were doing a bunch of things. Uh, back in the day from 2009 to 2015, where we, uh, where we worked with telecom operators, uh, large e-commerce companies, large publishing companies, right? And it was then, uh, it was, I think it was around 2015, when we stumbled upon post notifications, which is when we sort of said that, hey, you know what, this, this seems, this is, this is more, more than just an API feature. It's a, it's a whole new, new capability that is being added to the internet, right? And we should, we should try to maximize on that, right? And uh, that's when uh, Izuto was uh, in principle born, right? Uh, to give you a quick brief about Izuto, uh, we, we are in principle in the business of uh, helping publishers and online retailers build, engage, and retain their audience, right? Uh, using web push notifications. That's what we have been uh, focusing on uh, for the bulk of our journey over the past three years. We're now uh, at the second largest push notification provider in the world. Right? We do close to about uh, 11 billion notifications a month right now. That's a working big number. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big number. Yes. Right. So, so yeah, in principle, uh, we help uh, publishers uh, build and engage their audience. We help retailers uh, build and retarget their audience right? and, and drive conversion. Yeah, that's what we do. So I know you mentioned that you, you saw the opportunity in 2015 to, to make the switch. So if someone was in your shoes... They've had, they either had an ad tech background prior or they're a publisher because we've seen a lot of people from the publisher side who are actually moving to the MarTech ad tech side as well. Mm -hmm. what, what made you think, think, okay, now this is an opportunity? What made you decide to say, I've got a product here I can build and work on? Right. So what we definitely saw as a, as a very unique trend, right, and this is from 2012 to 2015, was this crazy world where everybody wanted a mobile app, right? 
uh, where everybody wanted a mobile app, A, and where everybody was laser focused on acquisitions, right? Everybody wanted to acquire new users, right? Somehow the world was, you know, the world was just awakening to the rise of mobile as a, as a, as a medium channel device. And somehow across the globe, right, there was a massive explosion of mobile device consumption, right, which then triggered uh, this, this huge craze of everybody wanting a mobile app, right? And we were sort of you know, pretty much in the thick of this, right, from 2012 to 15. We saw a lot of brands, uh, people, a lot of extremely smart marketing, marketing teams and marketeers spend insane amount of money right, on building apps, building, maintaining, and distributing apps, right? And over those four years, what we also saw was that while building apps was difficult in 2012, by 2016, building app was a cake, was a, was a cakewalk, right? Anybody could have built an app, yeah. right? The challenge is actually lied in, how do you distribute a piece of software? How do you convince me as a user to download or to remove a video from my phone and install your app, right? Uh, for example, in India, uh, mobile mobile device storage is a big problem, right? As much as 30% of users, 30% of Indian mobile users every week run out of space on their mobile device, right? Now, not, not, not that number is insane given the fact that India has over... 300 million mobile internet users. Yeah. Right? Now, so, so we sort of put these things in perspective, right? There was a craze around, around acquisition. There was a craze around mobile apps, right? And we also saw that both, both these things were falling completely, right? More people were spending amazing amount of money on acquiring users, but there was absolutely no focus on retention. People were spending amazing amount of money on driving app installs, but had absolutely no clue on their churn rates. Right? One report which I recall uh, reading back in the day was uh, was that of, a, of an extremely popular large travel portal, uh, and their app install mean time of of six months was eight hours. And this marketing team was spending close to about a million dollars every month. And this number just did not resonate with us, right? Uh, and when we saw push notification coming up as a capability, we thought, hey, you know what? There is something more to this, right? This essentially solves the inherent problem or the inherent challenge of the web, which is engagement, right? And that's when, and I mean, that's how we sort of jumped into, into the whole web push notification arena to say, we can, uh, we can use this to help online businesses build an audience, right? And again, you know, uh, if you also look at the trend over the past four years, right? For example, BuzzFeed had to lay off uh, a significant part of their employee force, right? Yeah. At the same time, we saw New York Times going profitable, right? These two are diametrically opposite trends, right? And the one reason why, in fact, one of the biggest reasons why New York Times has sort of, you know, been able to turn profitable completely is because 
they have been able to build and own their audience, right? Uh, they started this exercise almost a decade ago, right? Which is something which a lot of new age publications haven't been able to get to, right? Uh, a lot of these, uh, in fact, uh, I, I recall reading a report on Digiday few, uh, I think a year or two back, where some of the largest media publications in the US and UK were, were, were getting almost 80% of the traffic from Facebook, right? Now, when you have such a huge dependency on a third-party platform, which, by the way, has the same interest as yours, which is in attracting advertisers, right? That's a clear upfront conflict of interest, right? And that's when things get funny because what you believe is your audience is actually, in fact, has always been Facebook's audience, right? So you never really own that audience. You were just renting that audience and you're paying a rent for it to Facebook. That's what is sort of, you know, just this problem, right, has only become, has only magnified over the past three years, right, where people have, people have been wanting to reduce their dependency on these walled gardens of Facebook and uh, Google and Twitter and LinkedIn and everyone else, right, because they want to, publishers need to take charge of their audience, Right. That's the missing ingredient here. Yeah, I mean, like, but if you think about it as well, Vivek, when they first came out, a lot of people, when when you when users saw push notifications, it wasn't something that people were like they were very resistant to because due to the how aggressive nature of how they were being pushed, right? And I guess I agree with you. Like, you know, New York Times has taken the approach of building their own audience and retaining the audience to their own website and, and you know there's that there's a whole story around Facebook and social which it's a, it's a whole lot of podcasting itself that we can reflect on yeah. but I know I know social made that catalyst for people for publishers to focus more on push notifications but what have you seen in your opinion users because I think now users are more accepting and they're more okay and open to it to, to sync push notifications. What have you seen the transition? What's been the transition of that to be more acceptable and more mainstream? Because I think, yeah, social media has become a catalyst, but yeah, what, what's your thoughts around that? Yeah, uh, great question, right? So very clearly, uh, I think uh, when push notifications were rolled out for the first time, and uh, I know this for a fact because they've been working with some of the largest publications in Southeast Asia, the acceptance rate right, used to be shaky. Right? It used to be around uh, between 2% to 6% at times as well. Right? Uh, I think more importantly, along with uh, push notifications, you know, as they sort of gone mainstream, right, what has also happened is uh, a lot of work has been happening in the background at the browser level or at the operating system level where the notifications uh, are being handled in a much more email style, right? Where instead of this becoming a nuisance, right? This needs to become a true, this needs to become a system which is, which is supposed to alert a user and not interrupt a user, 
right? I think that's the that's the core, right? Because uh, now, because again, notifications have been around for over a decade since iOS, right? Since, since iOS was first launched, right? yeah. but because of the fact that now it's also on the web, right? And, and practically, in fact, when I look at uh, our latest numbers, right, close to about one percent of pages on the internet today requesting for notification permissions. This is a Chrome stat which came out uh, last week. Right? And now that's an incredible, incredible number because there are about a billion sites on the internet. Right? And even if we you know, assume that the average site has only four pages or five pages, right? we're, we're still looking at you know, close to about uh, uh, 15 million plus you know, uh, users getting 50 million plus pages of websites actually asking the users for permission, right, which is an incredible number. Right? So I think, the, uh, you know, while there has been definite effort on the browser and the OS side, what has also happened at the same time is the marketers are also getting, are, are also evolving, right? The first two years, pretty much everyone had no clue about how to use this the right way, how to ask for post notifications permission the right way, right? I think a lot of education has have, uh, you know, uh, has been done by a lot of push notification players, by a lot of smart marketers on the internet, telling people that, hey, the right way to ask push notification permission is not when they land on the website. It's when they have derived some value from the content. Right? That's the right time of asking something to the user. Right? And yes, you know, uh, from a pure play numbers point of view, right, we do see that while, uh, while the number of users opting in for notifications, uh, I think that number sort of still hovers between three to five percent, right? What is what is definitely sort of gone down, and this is strong pure because the UX around notification permission has improved so much. Uh, that number has sort of gone down from a massive twenty percent to now uh, three to four percent, right? Which is incredible because now your universe as a publisher or marketer is far bigger. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I want to go into more of the usage and the case studies around some of the publishers that you have a bit later on. But um, let's look at just more of the technology now, like you spoke about. So you spoke about how it's become more native to the browser. Can you elaborate yeah. a bit more around that and, and what's what publishers yeah. are, what market sure. I think like you guys have done in order to make a more seamless experience. Right, right. No, uh, uh, I think an incredible amount of effort has been put in by, uh, by the browser and the operating uh, system teams. Right? So right, for example, uh, if you look at uh, uh, the, the first version of notifications, this is, April 15, when Chrome had just rolled out the capability, right? It was pretty much, you could bother the user till death comes, right? You could, you, you could practically kill the user to say, hey, you need to allow for notification permission, right? Which is uh, today where if somebody does not engage with your permission prompt in, in three attempts, right? They would automatically be considered as a block for seven days, right? Small tweaks and hacks, which are now 
which are now inbuilt in the browser itself, right? At the same time, even the notification experience, right, is, is becoming more and more native, right? Wherein, for example, very clearly notifications on macOS are now part of the notification center. In fact, that has been the case for, I think, over a year now, right? Uh, that that update came out I think with Chrome 59. They had they had released that update wherein notifications were, were made part of the Mac uh, notification center. And in fact, this also gives the user an ability to say, "Hey, you know what? I can't see it right now, but I'm going to come back to this in in a bit from now." Right. Uh, the same also, and uh, again, again for reference, uh, today we are sitting. I think we are right now. Uh, on Chrome 71, if I'm not wrong, right? Yeah, I think we are right now on uh, on Chrome 71 as a version, right? Uh, at the same time, with Windows as well, right? I think Windows Chrome 64 or 65, right? On Windows 10, notifications went native, right? So while it definitely impacts uh, the visibility and the CTRs and notifications, I think it, it, it drastically improves the end user's experience because as an end user, they now have far better control on what they want to see, what they want to ignore, and more importantly, when do they actually want to respond to those notifications? Yeah. But, you know, we've seen technologies in the past, like email, you know, ch there's been chat. A lot of them have the same logic, right, where you can actually come back to it later when you see your notifications. Why wasn't, yeah. that, why was it, why wasn't that same approach adopted in push notifications? Was it that the technology was too much in its infant stage in order to be able to get push notification, notifications from other um, right. to, to speak into yeah. that one browser or? Well, so again, I think it's a, it's a great point, right? So email and, uh, you know, let's, so let's say email and SMS, right? The two uh, channels which are inherently push in nature, right? Wherein, the user does not control when they receive this form of communication, right? But, uh, as compared to, let's say, a banner ad which shows up on a landing page, right? which is more like a pull, right? So when you compare push notifications with SMS or email, right? Both of which, by the way, have always had the capability of uh, of being logged on a device, right? What is sort of uh, important to sort of notice this is the fact that. Uh, Notifications have been fairly recent as a technology, A, as you said correctly, right? B, uh, email always had a client, had a standard look and feel and client to itself, right? Which was your Outlook and the browser, right? Uh, and same also happened on a mobile device when you move to a mobile app or Gmail app, right? Post notifications, because just because of the, of the, uh, of the range of the combinations of browser and operating systems, right? That has been a difficult one to track, right? For example, uh, Safari on Mac OS continues to operate in a completely different manner as compared to Chrome, Firefox, Edge, and Opera, right? So yeah. the standards are not yet in place, right? I mean, there is a WCC standard notification format there is a standard uh, way they have extended the core capability, right? Having said that, uh, there is still a lot of catching up that is happening as we speak right now. For instance, iOS does not support web notifications till date, 
right? And it's been, it's again, I think uh, the first time push notifications were rolled out, it was April, I think April 5th of 2015, right? So it'll be four years and iOS is yet to support their push notifications, right? Even the Mac version uh, runs on APNS, which has a completely different uh, approach towards uh, executing notifications as compared to Firefox and Chrome and Opera and some of the other browsers, right? So yes, uh, a layer of standardization is, is missing right now, right? There is acceptance of the core capability, right? But uh, from pure, uh, from pure uh, communication standards point of view, I think that's something which is, which is yet to happen, right? And that's completely, you know, and I think that can be attributed to, to the nascency of, uh, of the medium. I'd like to delve into this conversation again a bit later because it's, we can delve into the future of it and how we can see that a bit later. But how do you see currently publishers using it mostly? I know it's, you know, it's sort of obvious that people, they're trying to retain, uh, retain their users, but, you know, we have different styles of and types of business models around publishers, whether it's B2B or B2C. And uh, you, you alluded to some, you alluded to New York Times and BuzzFeed, but the type of publishers that come to you, what are generally the type of publishers that come to you and how do they sort of use it at the moment? Right. Again, uh, I think the, we've seen, uh, we haven't seen a, a common pattern in which, uh, at least at a, at a usage level, right, we do see that all of them have uh, pretty much the same, uh, same KPIs, right? So the way we have sort of, uh, I think there are two types of publishers that we're primarily looking at, right? One is uh, the likes of New York Times or the, the subscription-focused publications where they're sitting behind a paywall and they're trying to create or curate uh, an extremely high-end experience for their readers, right? And second is the mass media publications, right, which includes the likes of BuzzFeed and Salon and so on and so forth. Right. Now, the transition from a mass media or mass approach to, to a very uh, niche publication with subscriber is very different, right? And because of which the KPIs and the way they would typically approach uh, audience engagement is also very different, right? Well, it's, what is also important to see, to see is the fact that uh, the marketing stack, right, for publishers almost did not exist until two years back, right? It is only now that publishers are actually investing. Publishers, what they did have was an ad tech stack, right? Which was, they would have an ad server, they would have, they would definitely have, uh, have a bidding engine and so on and so forth. But what they, did, what they did not have was a marketing stack, right? Which is exactly what is now coming together given the fact that there's a massive push, massive adoption of pushing uh, because of these two different segments, right? I think uh, the ones, uh, I think mass media or mass publications are the ones who are more aggressive towards uh, using post notifications. Uh, and, and we have seen publishers who send out two notifications in a week to publishers who are sending out 10 notifications in a day, right? Obviously, you know, there's a very key, uh, the, the, the elder or the marketer is sitting behind 
the publication, right, has a very clear KPI, right, which is to drive traffic, to drive revenue, right? Now, obviously, you know, when you push notifications beyond a certain threshold of, say, three or four a day, right, that's when you start entering the zone where you would get diminishing returns for a period of six to nine months, right? And that's something which is obviously difficult to explain and adopt, explain and educate, right? So, yeah, I think, uh, so from, from pure uh, trend or a pattern point of view, uh, different publishers take different routes, right? The core focus remains that, hey, you know what? I want to get my audience back. I want to increase my engagement, right? I want to push out uh, content around my Content around uh, latest news or breaking news to my audience, right? It starts, uh, and, and at the same time, there are marketers who push this to say that, hey, I want to push out every single story that I'm publishing on the website to my audience, right? which is when you start, uh, you start to disrupt the user experience around push notifications inherently. Yeah. That makes sense. I understand. So, um... Do, would, you, would the sales cycle work the same? Like, I, I mean, just to help you guys on board, even though they're slightly different publishers, they do offer, you said, as you said, they're still following the same KPIs. So in terms of onboarding these publishers, more of the enterprise level, are they very much the same? Or how would you try to tailor them to get them towards more, closer to, to what they want to achieve? Right. So I think the, the objective and the goals is for sort of defines the, the sales and the, and the closure cycle typically. A lot of uh, large-scale media publications come in with a, with a very, uh, it's very clear, it's very clear focus on what they want to achieve with notifications. They would have seen a very clear trend in terms of impact on a smaller website, right? And that's when sort of want to go big, right? The typical sales process, of, of, uh, I think the typical onboarding would can vary from anywhere between, uh, say, two weeks to three months, which would involve certain amount of testing, exposure to only a select audience, control group behavior, uh, analysis, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, more importantly, uh, the outcome that, that they're defining, right, uh, I think that's the key is... Uh, because what we also help uh, certain publishers do is uh, we also help them monetize using push notification ads. Right? And now, because that has been, uh, that has, that has now started picking up again as a thread, right? Where then publishers want to leverage uh, this opportunity of, uh, of touching a user, but instead of giving them content, they want to throw an ad on, their, on these users, right? And these ads, and unlike the, the classic display ads which you see on websites or videos, they want to uh, they want to use native content and use that as a push notification uh, and push that in, in a notification to not only engage the user but sort of also monetize the user. Right? So uh, depending upon their priority, right, which is it can be either user engagement or monetization, they would sort of uh, pick one of these battles, and that will sort of that is what will decide uh, their onboarding in the overall sales cycle. That's that's pretty interesting. So, who like from publishers, which 
role or position or who, which kind of person would usually come to you? Would it be like someone from the mobile department or a head of departments person? And, and with that onboarding process of helping them with trialing to, or on a sample audience to help them sort of get used to the workflow, what proportion of those new clients or publishers do you see them doing that? Are they all, are, like, the, the reason why I'm asking that is just, it's interesting to see the level of awareness. Like you said that everyone's pretty much knows the fact that they want to, they know how, what they want to get out of push notifications, but which there's people who say that, but then there's people who actually sort of until they try it, they're not as sure. So what's the actual percentage of those people who actually are doing trials before they do a full release of those push notifications? Right. A great question, Ben. And you know, before I sort of ask that question, it's sort of important to uh, acknowledge uh, you know, two facts about the publishing industry. Right? A, it is an incredibly difficult business to be in, right? To, to, create, con to create, publish, maintain, and manage content on the internet. And you know, given the fact that pretty much everyone with a mobile is a publisher in, in their own rights, is an incredible job, right? To, to run a publication is extremely difficult, right? At the same time, uh, uh, advertising on the internet, right? Uh, this, this, this potentially is the most difficult time today to, to leverage advertising as a revenue source. Right? Now, given these two facts, there is uh, there are different personas or different departments who would be taking charge in our organization. Right? There are times where, where everything is driven, driven by an editorial team, right? where the prime experience, where they're, where they're laser focused on user experience, audience experience, leadership, uh, engagement metrics, and so on, right? At the same time, there are also organizations and publications where their focus is pretty much on, you know, hey, can we see through the next six months, right? And can this help us add a revenue source to a bottom line, right? And that's what they're sort of focused on, right? Uh, and again, while while you know there are there are people who would just shrug off and say, "Hey, you know that's a very short-term focus," you know the the the, the reality is that running a publication and using advertising advertising as a, as a core revenue source is a very it's an extremely difficult balance gap. Um, yeah. So now, given this, right, we've seen. A lot of tier one publications, right? And talking about, think News Corp, for example. We work with News Corp uh, in India and a couple of more geographies, right? Uh, uh, their focus is pretty much we want to drive user engagement. That's it. We, we only want to drive more traffic to our, to our website. We only, want to drive, we only want to send highly contextual content to our audience, right? We do not want to do ads, which is completely fair and square. Right. At the same time, there are a lot of uh, tier two and tier three publications, and more importantly, the long tail of uh, bloggers, right, or uh, you know, Soho businesses, right, uh, one to five people teams, right, whose focus really is on hey, how can I add 
hundred more dollars to my to my ad revenue this month, right? Or how can I add thousand dollars to my bottom line, right? So yeah, I think you know that's the that's the demarcation there, right? And uh, depending upon who you are selling to uh, or uh, what kind of publisher they are, right? you sort of accordingly speak either with a product manager or the head of, or the head of editorial team in a tier one publisher is a biz. Uh, speaking to head of revenue or head of sales uh, or, or uh, head of uh, head of rev, uh, the chief revenue officer with the tier two tier three publications. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, like uh, just back to the second question as well, in terms of the trial versus actually like the, the percentage of them who are trialing versus actually just starting on starting on straight away. What what's the break? What do you, what do you think the breakdown of that is? Oh yeah, okay. I think now uh, we see a fair amount of. Uh, uh, I think we see a definitely more than seventy-five percent of uh, of our uh, of users sort of going from a trial to hey, we want to do this over long term now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they might choose a different model. They, they might some might go with monetization as their first preference, right? Some might go with Okay, we are we are actually okay paying dollars on a monthly basis to use this, right? But uh, because uh, they're able to very clearly see uh, tangible value in post notifications, because uh, uh, a it helps you build an audience, and and you can very clearly see compounding effect even in a small period of two to three weeks, right? And b they're able to also convert that audience into repeat traffic, right? Which fundamentally is repeat revenue for you. Right? Because when you are driving 10% incremental traffic to your website, you're also driving 10% additional ad impressions or additional you know, clicks on your ads. Right? It sort of uh, directly converts it to revenue for you. Right? So uh, that, that percentage over the past few years, years has sort of uh, definitely increased significantly for us. That's, that's really good to know. Do you think that that trial adoption rate is going to drop, or do you think it will, it will, stay, it will stay the same? On your opinion, I honestly believe you know we we we're, we're still at the uh, at the you know at the bottom of the hockey curve, right? I think in I think there's a huge huge number of publishers out there right, are still not tapping into push notifications fully. As a communication channel, uh, as an audience building channel, right? Uh, they're still using it. Uh, I think it's it's a lot more to do with the way they are using it, right? There's a lot of publishers have not sort of fully fully realized the true value behind leveraging a post notification uh, communication tool, right? So I only think of that number going up from now. Yeah, makes sense. And. I'm sure, as you're aware, and something we spoke about as well, Marfield, which sort of plays in a similar area as you guys are, but they offer other suite of tools, not to promote, I'm not calling out their brand for advertising purposes, just to make a note. I'm just, they, re they released a report about push notifications, because they did a study across, I think, half a million publishers or something. It was quite a big number. And they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, you know, they obviously came to the same conclusion around if you do a lot of push notifications over time, like you mentioned, that there's diminishing returns. But we have to look at different metrics 
are looking at the right type of push notification. So they created a subscription lifetime value metric. Um, right. you, you mentioned how publishers now are looking at pretty much the same KPIs, but is there a way that publishers can, and can is, do you think that's, a, in your opinion, a good metric to follow? And secondly, is what kind of other metrics can publishers adopt in themselves? Or is that something that you know we need to rely more on you and iZero to to provide us other metric opportunity uh, metrics that can be reported on and can be something that we can see returns from from audience development? Right, uh, I think it's a great. Uh, uh, I I had a quick chance to look at the report as well last week, right? And uh, uh, while it sort of doesn't really talk much about how they arrived at the number, I do sort of in principle agree with the fact that uh, subscriber lifetime is an incredibly important metric to look at. Right? Now, this, this again, right, sort of uh, is a question which is typically asked by some of the more mature or evolved digital teams in publishing houses, right? Because they're not looking at solving a problem for a few weeks, a few months, right? They're trying to build this as as the fourth pillar in their monetization or engagement stack. Right? Because uh, what we have seen now, a lot of publications that are uh, push notifications or Izuto is now the number three or number fourth source of, of traffic for them. Right? Now, uh, and this is, this, is, this is literally you know, competing head-on-head uh, -head with Twitter and Facebook and Google and so on and so forth. Now, given this kind of a position and a placement, it is, it is incredibly important to, and given the fact that you own the audience, right? With, with Facebook, you only have so much knowledge about the audience. Given the fact that in this, in this case, you own the audience, it is important to, to ask yourself these tough questions, which is, hey, uh, what happens when I send more than five notifications a day versus what happens when I send only two a day, right? Uh, it is also important to understand what kind of notifications can trigger a higher churn, right? As compared to you know, what kind of notifications will will actually help me get more traffic on my website, right? So these are extremely important questions to answer, right? I think uh, it's sort of these are uh, again KPIs are KPIs are very uh, KPIs are customized to the stage that you are in as a publisher, right? It would be, I mean, we would end up boiling the ocean if your total traffic was less than 50,000 a month if you were to start tracking lifetime value, right? Uh, every, for, for different stages, I think there are different KPIs that marketers or digital teams need to identify and track, right? And, you know, I think uh, just pure play evolution of these teams, and and how businesses go from zero visitors a day to from, from zero to 10 to 10 to 100, 200 to 1,000 to a million, right? As they, as they sort of, uh, as they start moving on that, you know, moving forward on that journey, they automatically sort of realize that, hey, the, the right metric for us is not just how many clicks we are getting from these notifications, but what is important to understand is what does my click cohort look like? Uh, the value of co cohorts, again, is, for example, is an extremely important uh, concept which needs to be overlaid on your audience and on your 
users who are engaging with the notifications, right? And yeah, and again, because you know, this is not like display ads, which has been there for 20 years now, right? A lot of these metrics and intelligence, uh, and, and more importantly, a lot of these questions are, are still being asked, right? Uh, in fact, uh, we are due for our uh, uh, state of push notification advertising report this week. Uh, I'll make sure that I'll send you a copy of that, which essentially sort of talks about these hard questions. So if, if publishers are able to ask those questions for themselves, back to the question, can they create these metrics themselves within iZuru or somewhere else where they can track this? Um, you said that, um, or, or is that something that we need to rely more on YouTube to be able to do those range of suite of metrics based on the life cycle or stage of the, where the publishers are using that? Right. So uh, you could do both, actually. Right? Now, the, the beauty of this concept is because the publisher owns the audience, right? they don't necessarily have to depend on us to give them this data or to give them these analytics. Right? Uh, the beauty of push notification uh, audience data is that it integrates very smoothly with Google Analytics, for example. Right? It integrates, uh, so all of this data can, can literally be captured with uh, following specific configurations in Google Analytics, right? They can actually start tracking how many users are clicking on allow, um, what's their audience growth like. Uh, some of these metrics are, are already available by default within our product, right? But again, having said that, I know for a fact that the editorial teams are 24-7 glued onto their, uh, onto their Google Analytics dashboard, right? So, so yeah, there's, there is... Uh, I mean, I would sort of find it personally very easy to, to get all data in just one single screen as compared to, you know, switching on screens and sort of, you know, say, hey, there's a disparity of 5% and 2%. Yeah. So uh, short answer, it's doable right out of the box. You can do it both ways in iZuto or, or even in your uh, traditional altitudes like GA for that matter. No, definitely understand. Um... I guess I brought that question up as well because sometimes, just to play devil's advocate, uh, as publishers, we need to take more ownership as well in, in tracking everything because they might rely too much on tech and they'll say, well, the tech that we have is, isn't helping our practice. But yeah, I guess it goes both ways. So thanks for clarifying that. I really appreciate it. Um, Vivek, um, if we can just go to one case study, what's one case study that you have, recent case study, that, that's one of, the, one of the publishers that are with you guys at the moment that really has really excited you in what they're doing recently? Uh, sure. So I think uh, we published this case study with, uh, with, a, with a publication based out of uh, Philippines. Right? Uh, uh, this is philnews.ph. And, uh, and, and the gentleman who runs the publication is called uh, Jomar, right? Now, <laughs> uh, Jomar essentially hopped onto Aizuto, I think, about four or five months back, right? right. And uh, he was seeing this, uh, and, and with every algorithm update that Facebook was rolling out, right? So Facebook, over the past 18 months, has rolled out some inc an incredible number of updates to their newsfeed algorithm, right? Because of which uh, a lot of publishers have, have seen that traffic tanking down completely, right? Uh, I mean, 
I know of publishers personally who have gone from 80% Facebook traffic to 30% Facebook traffic, right? Uh, a 50% traffic dip is, is just brutal in terms of its revenue impact, right? And that is exactly what Joma's team was seeing, right? They, were, they would optimize for video and then something else would come up. They would optimize for that and something else would come up, right? So they were in this constant state of flux, which can be extremely frustrating for, for small teams, right? Because you're barely able to grow and then sustenance becomes a question for you, right? And this is exactly when, uh, you know, uh, he sort of came on, uh, uh, he came on board with us uh, and started sort of, sort of focusing on building an audience, right? And uh, within, I think, within three months, right, he was able to increase traffic by 20%, right? And uh, I, mean, uh, I think his, his, his quote, and uh, I'll, I'll be paraphrasing it to a certain extent, was that he sees this replacing or uh, he sees this now as a core part of his audience engagement stack. And uh, in fact, there is one user, one person from his team who is logged into our dashboard throughout the day. I mean, that's how incredibly important push notifications have become for that marketing team, right? And by the way, you know, the, that team is incredibly smart in terms of how they use push notifications, right? They don't, they don't follow a spray or prey strategy, right? They do, they were extremely smart, targeted notifications, extremely well-timed for the right device but at, at the right time, right? So, so yeah, I think uh, that's been, that was a that was a case study which uh, which was extremely inspiring for us also, also internally because we were able to for the first uh, time uh, see somebody uh, speak so passionately about about the product and the impact that it has made. That's really awesome. Uh, that's it's always the best when you get a product advocate because it just drives you to do more, better work as well and improve the technology even further. Um, we'll, yeah. make sure, we'll make sure we add links um, if the case is on the website. Otherwise, we'll just add the link to the website in the in the transcripts so that everyone can also see that example as well. So that'll be really sure. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. So with that in mind, you said you spoke about really smart strategies and stuff. What can other publishers when they're planning around user retention or acquisition strategies around different devices and content types, what's some of the things at the top level that can keep in mind? Right. I think what is extremely important is this, right? So while there is no cookie-cutter solution that you could apply for somebody who is in Australia working on a blog which focuses on page three content as compared to somebody who is in the US who has a blog on, on wellness and lifestyle, right? What is important sort of put are, you know, uh, some, some very basic hygiene checks, right? And, you know, these, these are incredibly simple to absorb and apply. Right? For example, notifications should not be sent to your desktop audience after 4 p.m., for example, right? Because you know for a fact that that audience is... No, is less likely to open their machines in the second half of the day, right? Notifications should, uh, you should, in the second half of the day, which is, you know, let's say after 5 p.m., you should focus on your mobile audience because that's when the activity sort of, activity in mobile goes up drastically, right? Uh, simpler hacks such as in terms of finding the right time of pushing a notification, right? 
people keep on looking at, you know, searching for these blog posts around what is the best time to push notification and so on. I think uh, this information is literally on the Google Analytics dashboard, right? There's right there on the Google Analytics dashboard, there's a small widget which is, which is a time-based heat map of your audience on your website, right? That essentially can sort of give you an answer of when your audience really wants to see content from you. Okay. Uh, another uh, important thing to sort of know and practice is uh, because uh, because uh, publishers attract an audience which is across the globe, you should always be in cognizance of their time zone. Right. So while you might want to automate your notifications and say, "Hey, you know what? My focus is only to push out content." Right. But uh, if you are pushing out content at 8 p.m. in Australia. Right, it essentially would mean you know twelve, uh, twelve midnight in uh, in the Pacific time zone. Right now, yeah. nobody needs to push out a notification, receive a notification at twelve midnight. Right, so you need to be uh, you need to be sensitive to uh, towards uh, time zones. Right, understand that your you and your product and your audience are truly global. Right, and the same also needs to apply to your communication strategy. It needs to consider that and ensure that everybody gets notification as per their local time zone, right? And not as per, you know, when you think is right or when you are publishing content, right? Uh, yeah, you know, some, some, some very, very simple hygiene checks, right? Uh, for example, keeping in mind your notification volume, right? We know for a fact that the moment you start crossing that threshold of three notifications a day, you start flirting with with, with high churn on the same day. What is also, I mean, I could go on, but you know, this is exactly what we sort of, uh, what we'll be talking in our, uh, our push notification report, which we'll be publishing uh, next week, right? Yeah. So yeah, like, like you said, make sure you're mess messaging and delivering the messaging at the right time, the churn, and just more, you know, basic audience preferences will help you know, whether they're logged on versus not logged on and stuff like that, which you have in the report will obviously help make a big difference. And that's all coming from the hygiene, as you mentioned. So that's very yeah. solid. That's very solid. So Vivek, just to the to end part of our conversation, I guess, and something that we spoke, you spoke in the, earlier on, it was around the standardization of tech, the technology around different browsers. Let's look at the future of, the, of push notifications. So what do you see around that? And, and then let's, if we can start off with the standardization, that'd be awesome. Sure. So we, we actually roll out uh, a small uh, fish list every, every year. Right? And this is what we have captured internally as well, is uh, over the next uh, six to 12 months, we see two major trends shaping up. Right. And this will essentially shape the future of the channel and principle. Right. Number one, uh, the experience around push notification for an end user. Right. So, so the end user will get more and more control in terms of dictating what exactly do they want to receive, and more importantly, when do they want to receive. Right. And everybody, you know, uh, including the browser and the websites, would fall in line. And this is actually ensures that even if the marketeers are, are going to abuse the channel by pushing out three or four or five or 10 notifications a day, 
the, the operating system by default takes care of that experience, right? So, so, so that's a trend which we, which we definitely see happening over the next few, few months, right? Uh, at the same time, we also, uh, we also know for a fact that uh, this, would, this would globally, right? Uh, you know, globally from, from pure contribution point of view, right? Uh, I think we're looking at, we are, we are at pretty much the bottom of the hockey curve, right? The next six to 12 months would see a massive rise in adoption where, where everyone, right from the long tail to TLM publication, would start adopting push notifications as their, uh, as their fast lane of communicating with users, right? Uh, and sort of start building that audience for themselves. So a lot more would happen in terms of audience, uh, you know, building audience, engaging audience, right? And also as a follow-up would be enriching audience because everybody wants to enrich their audience data with additional data points, right? And that is exactly where the, the, the DNPs of the world will sort of come into picture. And I'm talking about the likes of Lodman and Luke I had, right? that are coming and say, hey, you know what, we're going to power this intelligence because you have built this massive audience for yourself, right? So yeah, these are the, you know, some of the trends which we see happen for sure. So clearly more control to the user, right? More data and more power to the marketer to, uh, to respect the control that the user lies, uh, has in their hands. Yeah. And... Other, you know, you said you can the users are going to control through the browser and their preferences. Is that feedback then going to be sent back to uh, tools like Azure and so that we can then so then publishers can then get a reality check and and know when they can actually send the messages or how 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 is that where is that feedback loop going to come in? Right. So I think at, at any point in time, uh, we as a service provider or uh, the gateway between the, the marketer and the end user and, and the audience, we do always capture that feedback in terms of how the user is engaging with a particular notification, right? How are they responding to it, if at all, right? Uh, and that's something which we'll... So for, uh, as of now, while we only got very select signals, I think we will get we'll be able to capture much more granular data around that, around that engagement, right? Which will essentially only make the market here more and more smarter. And what do you think the landscape in terms of other, like Azure and other competitors in the space, what's going to help them keep the competitive advantage? I know, obviously, you alluded to the fact that being able to capture that more granular data is going to be one, but... Or is it, is it as simple as just answering those trends that you mentioned that you've seen? That's going to keep the competitive advantage. Or what do you see the competitive advantage? Because I've seen it's an explosion of push notification products coming out, even from yeah. vertical pub, uh, products offerings, like, like image sharing tools and stuff like that as well. So, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I think it's. Uh, uh, I think uh, from, from overall landscape point of view, right. There exists about one forty-five or push notification businesses out there right now as we speak. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think if you go back to our conversation again, where we spoke about metrics that publishers would seek and ask and demand, right? We'll see a maturity coming in those conversations, right? And that is exactly where 
data and the ability to slice and dice and present and present that data would become a significant advantage uh, for a business like ours. And, uh, and that sort of continues to be our focus right now, wherein, you know, while you're building an audience, you're engaging with the audience, the core lies in how well do you understand the audience, right? Uh, understanding the audience, that's what the market here sort of really needs to become better at, right? And that's what we need to sort of focusing on uh, enabling, right? Uh, yeah, so so those metrics sort of inherently become a part of, uh, inherently become an outcome for us. Yeah. So pretty much big data is going to be able to help mature the data as well that you guys receive across the board, and that's what's going to help you create a better offering, I think. Is that, is that, is that, I, I, I won't use that word big data. But it's yes. very much it, it <laughs> used a lot, particularly in the startup space. But I guess we'll yeah. have to that data. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, data is, you know, right? Uh, we, we, we do operate at a mind-boggling scale, right? So, so yeah, data is uh, extremely critical to, uh, to what we do and what we want to build in the future. So, so yes. Absolutely. Vivek, um, two final questions. Is um, career advice that you give to any other people, person who'd want to do something similar like you're doing, um, even lessons? even particularly for people in India, because I know India is becoming a very exciting scene for media and, and a lot of public startup publications there. And, and, and any other final comments or any exciting announcements that you want to share on Azura's roadmap? Right, uh, sure. So uh, I think uh, the most important and exciting takeaway for us uh, has been uh, understanding our audience, right? Uh, we have had a chance to spend uh, you know, a fair bit of time with our customers in the past uh, one year, right? We have had amazing set of revelations for ourselves, which has helped us uh, build a far more better, polished, and valuable product, right? Uh, when I look back our journey for the past three years, uh, some of, uh, I think, the, the steepest learning curve has that been of the past 12 months where we have actively gone out there, met customers, spent time in their editorial rooms, spent time with their, with their ad operations team and sort of try to understand how they operate, how they use the product, right? That, I think that's something which we're not doing enough in the earlier part of the journey, right? So yeah. that would be my biggest takeaway that you now figure out a way to get out of your office, call up the customers, fly down to their office, figure out whatever it takes to spend more time and look at them, look at them as they use your product because that will give you, uh, that will give you an incredible amount of insights instead of figuring out who is your real persona, who are you building for, and, and, and if what you're building is the right product for them or not in the first place. Okay. That's all. Yeah, so, so, yeah, <laughs> thanks. And, uh, to answer the second question, uh, what do we have in our uh, in a bag for you guys? Uh, so yeah, uh, we are rolling out our, uh, our state of push notification advertising report uh, uh, in the next few days. Uh, that should be fairly exciting. We're going to be for the first time. Uh, I think we'll be exposing uh, exposing select data points that haven't been select data points and KPIs which have never been talked before. Uh, in the industry, right? So that would be extremely exciting. I'll, I'll sort of make sure that, that 
that you get a copy before everyone else. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I guess unfortunately, just due to our production time as well, this by the time that this comes out, I guess the report will come out after, but we'll definitely share the insights to our audience before. If you could send us the copy, like you said, we'll make a separate piece around that, so that'd be awesome. Um, sure. what, what else is on the roadmap for, for you guys as well? Right. So uh, I think from a roadmap point of view, uh, we're fairly excited about uh, two things. One is uh, how do we take push notification uh, to the programmatic ecosystem? Right. Uh, that's been a big question that we've been asked by a lot of our partners. We work very closely with, with a whole lot of uh, ad exchanges, ad networks, who want to monetize the push notification inventory with our publishers and for our publishers, right? And, uh, and we're sort of actively working with, uh, with IAB and a couple of more uh, organizations to sort of set to actually define these standards for push notification advertising, right? I think uh, that really would be the biggest, uh, biggest uh, thing on the roadmap right now. That's that's a that's a really exciting piece of the puzzle tying programmatic and things together. I, I've never considered that as well. So it just shows how how where your headspace is at. And I really thank you for your time. It was pretty good also speaking with you. Likewise, Mike. Likewise, uh, nice talking to you. Yeah, look forward to doing it again. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.